HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you for being here. My name is Antonella Manulis. You can move the slide. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> From when I was a baby until now, almost on the left. I was born in Milan, Italy. And uh, I grew up in the Alps in Switzerland. And then I lived in a golf course for a few years. You can guess which one I am on the far right there. Uh, I represented my country playing golf all over the world for a few years. And then I started working in um, finance and accounting. Really great <laughs> experience. And, um, and then when I was around 27, 28, I um, moved to Maremma to work in tourism. And for all my life, I really um, loved the, the outdoors and nature, and uh, th that's where I really felt well with, my, with myself. And when I came to Maremma, I was really uh, stunned by the environment and I really thought this was a great place to start a project in agriculture. <laughs> and so that's where I started Fattoria La Maliosa, which I will tell you about later. And I'm here today because Isabella Giron asked me to speak about the carbon footprint. Uh, you know, we are really concerned about uh, carbon at a global level because there is evidence now that global warming is really uh, affected uh, a lot by carbon emissions. And um, measuring carbon is something that I started doing at my farm a few years ago. And so here I am to explain to you, hopefully, clearly enough today, why it's important to measure carbon if you are producing natural wine. And uh, as consumers, why you should care about how uh, natural wine producers, um, you know, produce emissions, high or low, it's, it's a subject that should really concern you. So, do you agree with me? Wine is not a necessity for human survival. <laughs> Yes, of course, 
it is emotionally, right? And it, it's been with us for all of human history. So it's really a, a product that is uh, has a lot of um, culture. It's not just uh, an agricultural product. It's a lot more. But still, we can live without wine. So why am I saying this? Slide. I say this because if we are producing something that is not necessary for our survival, we should feel a little bit more responsible about how we produce it. And we should even more feel responsible if we are in the, in the sector of natural wine. So we are pretending to tell consumers that we're doing something different and maybe better with our environment. So it's not, it's not so clear in this slide, but you, you see a nice, uh, beautiful vineyard. What is behind this vineyard? This, I think, is a, is a vineyard in Piemonte in the Barolo area, which is very nice, very beautiful. But the question is, you know, while we are producing wine, is, is this something that uh, pollutes our environment? Yes, the answer is yes. It's very polluting. The, the production of conventional wine is very polluting. It's, it's not just the obvious pollution that you can see in this slide where we have some um, treatments being done, okay? But if you look at the soil, you, you can see how this heavy machinery is really compacting. This is damaging your, your soil life. And also, you see how there is no, no grass. This is also something that is, is very negative as far as the carbon emission. We can go this way, okay? If we consider uh, that the the, the total size of organic viticulture is around 7% of the total viticulture in the world. Well, then we can say that more than 90% of wine production is pollution intensive. Yes, in which ways, like I was saying, some are obvious. You can find, uh, you know, damages for, for the human health. So, for consumers, sometimes uh, you can find residues of pesticides and other things in the wine that are not good for you, even when there are a lot of sulfites, they are not good for you. But something we don't think about very often is people that are working in these vineyards. Okay? They, they breathe a lot of very, very bad stuff, which is, is really not good. So. Uh, there are entire areas in some viticulture uh, regions where the professional diseases are, are a lot, a lot more than than other, uh, you know, other non-producing areas, and nobody's really speaking about this. And then there is the environment. Uh, well, we know that worldwide there is a, a loss of fertility for the soil, so that the organic substance is getting less and less. This is a problem for all production in agriculture. Poisoning, of course, you know, when the spraying of a lot of herbicides, fungicides, etc., uh, they pollute our groundwater. And then 
something that really nobody is talking about yet a lot in wine, but this is also a big problem, is the, is the carbon emission. So today we're here to look at that. Um, you, ca you can uh, produce carbon in the vineyard, in the cellar, and in the packaging. So you, you need to look at all sides of your product, starting from the vineyard and finishing with your packaging. You can move the slide. So the question is, if you are a natural wine producer, you need to take responsibility about what you're doing. It's not just a question of taste and quality. Uh, the whole storytelling on wine is taste and quality, terroir, okay. Taste, quality, terroir, great. But here we are in natural wine. We should be doing something else. Better, maybe we should inspire the rest of the world of viticulture to start doing something a little bit more consciously. So this is something I feel really strongly about. We have an ethical responsibility. And you as consumers, you should really um, uh, ask for, for the producers to take this responsibility. Don't just taste the wine, okay? Uh, because, because we should be accountable for what we do in the vineyard and, and anywhere else, basically, in our production. So we can... So you, we know the, world the word natural wine has a problem. It has no legal definition. This is a big problem not just for us producers, but for, for the whole sector, because it's, it's, you know, very difficult also for a consumer to really understand what it means and to distinguish about what people are doing. But the question is, it's all about truth, okay? This movement started because we wanted to give a message of authenticity, okay, and transparency. So to me, this is part of the mission of natural wine, to give you transparency, which is not really achieved by the labels, by the way. This is another thing. Okay, let's move. And so when I, when I started um, becoming a wine producer, after some time, I was really asking myself, how can we really be transparent? How can we measure this sustainability? Because I could tell you anything and you can believe me or not. I can say a lot of greenwashing, I can talk about flowers in the vineyards, or bees, whatever, you know. It's some of the point, but it's not really the point. It's not just a pretty postcard. It's not just that the wine maybe has 20 sulfites instead of 120. What am I doing to my environment? We need to measure this and we need a measure that is really um, a standard for everybody to, under to be able to understand. So it needs to be a measure that is really recognized by everything. And this is the CO2 emission. Inside CO2 measurement, you find everything. Any human activity can be measured by the CO2 emission. 
even your life, you know, there are some websites where you go and you put in your activities and they tell you what your carbon footprint is. You can find this online, by the way. And um, so this is, when, when I came across this, you know, I, I, by chance, I went to a conference that was held by people of the University of Siena and they were starting to work on this for some wine uh, consortiums in the province of Siena. And we started working together and, and, and I became the first um, biodynamic farm in Italy to certify its carbon emission. And this is a work I've done with the University of Siena. And this, and this really was, was very interesting to me because it was not only an assessment, but it gave me some clear guidelines where I could improve and not change anything, you know, not with not so much effort, how I could be a lot better to my environment. Okay, we can move. This is just to give you an example. When you have bare soil that is arable, or like what you do with cereal, but a lot of times also in the vineyard, you emit carbon, you see, up. When you have wood, for instance, trees like the olive groves here in this example, or grass, you absorb. So this is just something quite simple that can be done you know, not leave your vineyards with your soil bare and you're already improving your carbon footprint. So my answer, why is it important? I think I already told you, but um, we can go over the concepts. So it's transparent, it's measurable, CO2 is important as far uh, as, uh, as uh, on a global level, so it's not something, you know, very um, small that nobody has heard about. It's, it's a very, very contemporary problem that affects everything that we do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an ethic uh, responsibility. And also what you do in your environment as a, as a wine producer is affecting the people around you. So it's also a social responsibility that, that we do this. Okay, this is just to give you um, an idea of where we are at a global level. You can see from the 1970, 1970 on the left, in 2010, the, the numbers are gigatons. So what we are doing as humans in the atmosphere. And on the right, you see uh, what's interesting, that agriculture is the second, uh, see the red uh, part of the circle. Agriculture is the second largest uh, producer of CO2 in the world. So it's, it's, uh, it's before construction, transport, industry, and so it's a it's very, very important issue for agriculture. So here we are in our um, farm, and what we're really concerned about is, is what we can change. We can change our footprint from cradle to gate. After it leaves the farm, it's not our problem anymore, it's the distributor problem, the client's problem, and and the consumer problem, because how do you dispose of the packaging? Okay, so this is how do we measure. We measure everything that we do from the vineyard 
until the moment my bottle of wine is ready. Okay, this is very, very uh, technical. Wh what I can say is just to give you some examples. When I say the vineyard, how, how do we calculate the emissions? We look at um, what kind of uh, chemicals are used in the vineyard, the gasoline we use for transportation, um, if our, you know, the water management, how we harvest, basically everything. In the winery, of course, again, we have electricity, water, if we use any chemicals, the aging process and, and how we manage and uh, anything that goes into the wine. For the bottling, we have a very, and storage is very, very important to look at the weight of our bottle. It's one, thi one single thing that can really affect your car carbon footprint, okay? Let's go, we can pass this. Okay, we can really make an impact, okay, by, by farming in one way or another. In this graph, you can see on the right, the emissions, average emissions of a conventional wine, organic, biodynamic. These, of course, are average measures. White wine, we can go, okay. This as, as a whole, you can see conventional versus organic. It can be, you know, emissions can be cut, but even almost half is a lot. You, you can think if, if just maybe not just 7%, but 20%, 30% of producers became organic, what kind of a difference it would make? Yes? So here we are in Maremma, Tuscany. And this is a view from my farm. And you, you see a lot of green, okay? <laughs> this is just to show that what you can measure is each product can be measured as far as the footprint. And also the whole farm, you know, everything that goes into the farm can be measured. In our case, we have an offset, meaning we are absorbing more carbon than we are emitting by the way we work. Let's go. So what is given, I, I think of, of the carbon footprint really like as, as a grade in school, okay? It's really your, your grade that you're getting. Am, am I passing this exam or not? So uh, I, had, I had a grade when I, when I started um, working with the University of Siena quite a good grade that, that was, um, uh, of course, given by the fact that I have a lot of wood, and this is absorbing a lot of, uh, of CO2. All of the soil is covered by grass. I have a lot of renewable energy on the farm, so I, I don't, uh, I basically produce uh, with, with the sun all the electricity that I need, and then what's left I can, I can sell to my government. And the other thing is I, I depend very little from the outside. I have this closed cycle agriculture where I can plant my hay, my grasses, and everything, and use it within the farm. So I, I don't have to buy a lot of stuff from the outside. When we look at wine specifically, 
then some of the things are the same, but we can see some interesting things that everybody can do, like use electric rechargeable equipment instead of equipment that is running on fuel. I know maybe some of this seems really, um, you know, obvious, but not really, because if you look at uh, how people work, very seldom these things are done, so. Uh, we use very little technology in the cellar. We care a lot about packaging. So when you are a consumer and you're looking at buying natural wine, I think you should, uh, this is something that visually you can evaluate, okay? What are they doing with their bottle? What kind of labels are they using? Plastic, for instance, or, uh, but if you see a lot of recycled paper, light boxes, a lighter glass bottle, well, this means this producer is thinking about making an, uh, a better impact on the environment. For instance, after we got assessed the first time, we, we had some suggestions from the university and the first thing they, they said, we could uh, use a lighter glass bottle. So we lowered our, uh, by 60 grams, our, our bottle. And this gave us overall, of the, of the whole footprint of the farm, a 10% decrease, which is really a lot if you think about it. This is something that anybody can do without changing anything else. Okay, so with the help of, of these people from the university, you can see what happened. We went from, these are expressed in kilos of CO2 equivalent. Okay, so when you see 0.88, it's 0.88 kilos, all right? Um, so we went from 88 to uh, 19, uh, 2017, we had 0.66. Since we were already starting from a very, very good uh, position, this is really a big improvement. We are very happy. And uh, this was, um, like you see, the, the best practices that we were already doing. And this is what we implemented after their assessment, like I was saying, the lighter bottle and also being more aware of our fuel consumption and using a lot more uh, rechargeable equipment. So here we are, we have this bottle. Y they are pouring this wine that you are seeing here. Uh, this bottle in particular had 0.81 kilograms. I don't think it's the 216, but it's about the same. So am I telling you the truth when I say we're working naturally? Well, you can tell from this slide, yes, I'm telling the truth because most of my carbon footprint is coming from the vineyard. We're almost not using any carbon in the cellar. You can see 58% in the vineyard, 0.3% in the cellar. So if when I tell you I'm not using any technology, yes, you can see I'm not using any technology. And of course, the packaging is a very important part of my footprint. Uh, there is a, this, this slide is going around. I know it's hard to read the numbers from far, but there is a slide going around with this graph. Okay. Okay, we can go. One other thing that I mentioned, what we are doing is really affecting our community. Okay, it's not just 
the wine. It's not just what we're doing. There are people living around us. There are, uh, you know, humans and animals and all sorts of life living around our farms. And if we are working in natural wine, we should be concerned. Okay? So, um, there is a way, this is a very, very new measure, it just came out, I was part of a study, also by the university, um, to calculate the social LCA, meaning how the carbon emissions are affecting what is around you. This is just a graph to show you that really, the implication of this can be, uh, what is nice about the carbon footprint is it has direct and immediate implications. I mean, you, you can really change something. You, you can really also assess how you, how you are changing things. It's not some theory, you know, or, uh, okay. All right, I, I would like, then please ask me any questions, because I know this is kind of technical, you know, and uh, <laughs> it can be complicated if you hear it the first time, but I really think that as producers, we have to be very careful of greenwashing. If I say something to you, I should be able to prove it to you in some way and to give you some kind of a measure. We should really um, start bringing relevant storytelling to the market, okay? I think natural wine, if it's uh, becoming uh, wants to become a more mature product, a more mainstream product. They need to behave in a, we, we <laughs> as producers need to uh, become more um, critical towards ourselves, more professional and uh, more rational in a way. And if we are to be transparent, we're really, really transparent. I mean, give you, give you something that you, you can verify. This is even more important because we have no legal definition, you see. If we had a legal definition, well, we could say we're doing everything by the law and that's it. Like organic, okay? I'm organic, I have a certification, I'm doing everything by the book, okay? But when I also say I'm more than organic, I'm natural, well, how are you working? You know, the carbon footprint has everything inside. And by this QR code that you can find, for instance, on my bottles, it, uh, it logs you onto the website, the page where all my carbon footprint calculation is explained. So thank you for listening to me. <laughs> Please ask me any questions. Yes. Yeah, thank you for your question. It's not prevalent at all. In fact, like I said, I was the first biodynamic uh, farm in Italy to do this, and, and I did it like three years ago, you know. And so far, I think we are two. The other one is, is the man sitting there in the back. So it's not really, okay, but it should. I really feel strongly about this. So last night, I went back to my hotel, and I found this postcard. We're making efforts to reduce our carbon footprint. Okay, so they, you know, and they trying to uh, 
tell you what the best practice would be to, to reduce their carbon footprint. If we care about this, then we will help them. This is not something you will ever hear from a wine producer, I think. Have you ever heard about any wine producer say something like that? Okay. I think it's something that we should really start thinking about. So the question is, uh, what changes between native and non-native as far as... as um well, wha usually when you use native vines, the, the carbon fo footprint is a lot lower, of course. The impact is lower because in their management, you need a lot less, okay? Like for instance, in, uh, in, in Maremma, it's, it's a very hot uh, and dry area. If you are going to use uh, vines from Bordeaux, you will need to use a lot of water, okay? You, you need to water them, you need to take a, take a lot of care, uh, you know, as far as treatments and everything, because they're not adapted to this environment. When you use native vines, it's not really much you, you need to do almost nothing. You, re you really need to take care of the soil. One, but once you take care of the soils, the vines will cater for themselves a lot. So this also, of course, is, is a factor. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of times just because they don't know. It's just a question of knowing it's something you could be doing. Um, uh, also because, you know, usually the heavier bottles are, are associated with more quality, you know, higher price, and, and so uh, maybe some more traditional um, winemakers want to use that bottle because in the consumer's mind is associated, like I said, with quality. Well, we really need to change this. We, we need to um, do education also to the people. And especially natural producers, they don't need to go into this, you know. Why, I mean, yeah, you can have the best quality wine, but why, why give it a heavy bottle? You don't need to do it. To, to your, your quality is coming from other things and you should really teach your consumer to care about other things as far as natural wine. Okay, well, terroir means, uh, means place, right? It's a place. Okay. Uh, so, uh, 
when, when we say that we like terroir in the wine, we, we, we say that we think that it's good that the wines express a character of the place. You can express it a lot better if your soil is in equilibrium. If the soil is, 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 um, is well balanced, okay, it means it has a lot of life inside. And to have the life, you need to be covered by grasses that compete and, and keep the balance, all right? Because uh, if your soil is bare, uh, then, then all the life, I'm, I'm really explaining in a simple way, but uh, the, the sun demolishes life in the soil, okay? Mechanization and compaction uh, kills life in the soil. So if you have no life in the soil, how can you have a character in the vine? That you're just gonna have some dirt there. It's not soil, it's, it's not a, li a live soil, it's, it's a dirt. And uh, so you will need to add a lot of things in the cellar to put back that you couldn't get from the soil. So it's, it's really good you know, to, to express the terroir, I, I personally think is, is essential. No. Also, you know, it's, it's not, this is not so simple to do like the glass bottle, because if you're coming from a conventional cultivation, it will take a few years in order, you know, for all the grasses to reach a balance. So you, ne you need to be a little patient if you are converting. So it's not something that happens like this, but if this is your goal in uh, three or four or five years, then you will have a nice situation in the vineyard. Yes, of course, because um, each wine has th their own carbon footprint. Because it depends how much grapes did you produce that year for that went into that wine. Uh, say you have a vineyard, a hectare of vineyard with different varieties in it and they're making two or three wines. You know, I, I am doing things the same for all of them, but then if I'm only producing, say, 10 bottles of one wine and 1,000 of another wine, of course, the 1,000 bottles will have a lower footprint because, you know, all the, all the work gets more, uh, distributed, so it, it depends really on, on the quantity produced. But it's not a great difference. Okay, of course, and, and it's always a lot lower than, than the production of, of a conventional wine, because the cellar is practically zero for all the, of the wines, so. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, of course, uh, manual management has very, very low, <laughs> almost non-existent carbon footprint. Of course, you cannot do everything manually. Uh, it's also hard to find workers that uh, nowadays agree to work manually. It's not so easy. This is a big challenge. Uh, 
uh, of course, working manually is a, is a, um, will give you always the best quality because you know the human eye and the human hand are the best machine in the world. <laughs> it cannot be replaced by robots. I don't care how they will talk a lot about uh, artificial intelligence, but once we have a nice robot that can really look and do, then I will buy one. <laughs> Um, but you cannot do everything like that, so we, what we try to do, we, we use light machinery and uh, rechargeable. Mm. Now? Not really. No, no, no. You, you mean if people that make natural wine are, are, um, are trying to define natural wine? So, some people are trying to uh, give some, yes, some explanation about what it is, like Isabelle Geron in her book she gives. Uh, but you know, that's, that's really um, not easy because when you don't have a legal um, definition, you, you can maybe find similar uh, explanations, but they will never match. So what I really think uh, the point really is the difference of natural wine, you are incorporating an ethical um, uh, value in the wine. Okay, so th this is the big difference. And, and the ethical value is caring about humans and the environment. This is something that is not there. I don't care how you define conventional or natural wine. It's not there in, in the conventional wines. So thi this is the big point of difference and it's something that should really be um, more understood by also people that sell natural wine. Uh, they're not just selling you know, good wine, hopefully. But they, they I think I think people are, are caring a lot about these aspects. It's just not yet um, carried out in the, in the storytelling of natural wine enough. So I think natural wine needs to make a little bit, you know, uh, different level from the, 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 you know, because it started as a, as a re rebellion against, uh, conventional wine, but this is like a baby phase of natural wine, and we need to grow up a little bit. Mm. I think leaders in, in the movement uh, should take maybe a stand towards these aspects and, and make the producers understand it's important like I think Isabelle is doing a, a great work also by calling me to speak about this, I think, <laughs> you know, is uh, something new, I think. And uh, they, they need to start, you know, they, they are the people that are heard by the media and have a voice. So these people should start speaking about this. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's, we are, we are a society that uh, functions a lot by, by media, you know, and uh, so that's the way to go, I think, yeah.
for sure, absolutely, less carbon intensive. This is just a fact. Uh, expressive of the terroir, of course, then you, you also have the human hand, you know, I mean, the producer needs to be able to make good wine, so this is not just automatic. But for sure, the, the carbon emission would be, would be lower, yes, definitely. It's not just a multiple, you see. It's, I mean, I can have one hectare, like I do, in fact. I have, I have an old vineyard. Like all the, the old vineyards, traditionally, they were planted by more than one variety, but, but also with, with some rationality. So all the whites on one side, all the reds on the other side. And, and um, also, it's, it's something that uh, maybe can go, if on one plot I have different types of soils, Maybe I can look at that and see which of the varieties more adapted to the one soil, but you will not have so many varietals on, on just one. Okay, so you will always have one main variety for that plot. Yeah, I think. Okay, um, uh, I am biodynamic in a way that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with the Demeter certification, okay, because they're not synonymous. Biodynamic means you have a closed cycle agriculture or viticulture, okay. We, we gave a name to what we do, which is Metodo Corino, it's a method that we, we, we studied and implemented. But what it really is, is a, is a closed cycle agriculture that is only using vegetal materials in the, in the vineyard, so we're not using anything from animal sources. And uh, whenever possible, which is, I have a big farm, so for me it's possible, we use um, hay and, and all the vegetal materials grown within the farm. So thi this really is, is uh, increasing like you were saying, is increasing a lot the terroir because I have the wild grasses from, you know, native grasses, and I'm using hay in the vineyards, and, th and this is all really increasing a lot the, the, the concentration of my terroir in the, in the, in the, uh, in the vineyard. So if you want to know anything about the wine, I can tell you. <laughs> It was not really about tasting, but since you have the wine. So th this wine, um, of course, after all I've said, <laughs> so we are using the native um, grape. It's called Procanico. Procanico is a very, very ancient grape dating back from the Romans. It was already mentioned by Plinius, which is, was one of the first agronomists to actually write an agronomical treaty. And uh, it's a grape that has become very rare because it's not very suitable to mechanize management and also has very low yields. This is coming from an old vineyard of, of 60 years. And uh, this Procanico is, um, is from the family of Trebbiano, but it's not Trebbiano, it's nothing to do with Trebbiano, it's very small bunches, pink. 
Um, it's uh, fermented with skins. We like to have very slow fermentation. Also, one thing you know about this, this management of the vineyard will, um, will not give you any problems with the wild yeast fermentation because also on the skins you will have a lot of wild yeasts if you cultivate like this, okay? So it's, and very slow fermentation, so about four weeks. Um, and that's it, it has uh, zero sulfites, completely zero sulfites. And um, I don't like so much to describe wines because uh, I like to leave it to the taste. But let's say that uh, typical char characteristics of this varietal is, is honey. Uh, the more it stays in the glass, the more you should be able to smell herbs. Her, uh, a lot of... Uh, Anyway, the, the wild herbs. Actually, I can actually smell the herbs in my, the dry herbs in my vineyard. It's quite amazing. <laughs> it comes out. <laughs> and it's a 2016. And this wine actually got an award, which is quite unusual for a natural wine because it got an award in a, in a, in a conventional wine um, prize at Vinitaly last year. If any of you are interested in the carbon, just you can just maybe leave your email to um, the organization and, and I can send the presentation because there's a lot of small numbers that were kind of hard to see and not so easy to explain here. Yes. You you can just you can just Google it and say calculate my carbon footprint. It would you, you will come up with a lot of carbon footprint calculators. I, I did it. It was quite fun actually. <laughs> Any more questions? Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.